So, but but once those pads come on, Tevin Jenkins is a son of a bitch. <laughs> here, <laughs> here. <laughs> oh, that was good. There is that the Bears' offense is just like Tony's Wi-Fi, which is uh, struggling. Um. <laughs> Welcome back to the Irish Bears show. It is the same. Every time I see that intro, I look at Anthony in the background just dancing away and it gets me in a good mood. It's too cold to dance today, Karen. It's too cold to dance. Um, look, it is great to be joined by Louis Vasher here today. We're going to be talking about Northwestern. We're going to be talking about some of the prospects in the upcoming draft. And we are still a month away, and it seems like it's ever closer because you just see mock drafts all over the place. And you have to remind yourself there's still a whole month until we actually get to see what happens for real. But it is great to have you on the show, Louis. We, we always enjoy having the different reporters from these different teams because Everybody seems to have an opinion on the guys in the first round and all that. But when you get to see them up close and personal for, for years, you get a better kind of idea really of not only who they are as players, but who they are as people, because that's just as important when it comes to the draft is these teams are trying to find out who are these guys. And it's always good to be able to have somebody on the show that has a little bit more insight than I guess your average person that watches the games, but doesn't really cover the team. So before I, we get into that, I just wanted to ask, how are you doing today? It's it's a nice Wednesday, well, evening or night where we are. It looks like it's an okay day where you are. So how are you doing? I'm doing great. And I, I want to, thanks for having me. It's uh, pretty rare to do an intercontinental podcast kind of thing. But uh, yeah, it's beautiful out in the Chicago area right now. It's sunny. We did have some snow this morning. So I know Ant can... Uh, kind of sympathize with that it was kind of snowy this morning but it's beautiful now so that's the way it goes here i gotta i gotta say this when i when i was in when i was in chicago um back in god when we were over there in november or whenever it was uh, i stayed for i stayed for a night in out by northwestern's campus and oh. oh my god anyone that's that's in ireland that's going to chicago make sure you get out and see the campus it's absolutely amazing so I must admit, I walked around it and got a, like there was there was really some pl- good places to get some food there as well. So yeah, it was uh, it was a proper it's a proper nice nice part of Chicago. So yeah, I, I do I do miss it terribly. I'll be completely yeah. honest. It's a beautiful campus right on the lake there. Did you did you That's, see the facility too? The the practice no, facility? Get, no, oh. I didn't get that far because I was only there for the day. But I went I went okay. around the little village town and then yeah. went in and just walked around the campus itself. Just the the overall the buildings and the, and the history connected to it. And I yeah. love the fact in the town that there's there's parts of the university in different parts of the town. So as you're walking along, you're you're still seeing the logo everywhere. So the, the kind of the university takes over that little town. It's it's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah, to be fair, if I lived in Evanston, I would just be in Buffalo Joe's all day eating chicken wings. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, that's really all I would be doing. Yeah. Having that a bit of Orsi Cola, and that's, that's me good Ooh. for the day. I'll uh, tell you what, Buffalo Joe's hasn't changed since I was a student. I'm talking like mid-late 80s. I go in there. It's it's like a time capsule in there. It's, it's unbelievable. I see behind there, too. It's it's amazing. 
yeah I, I used to go there as i was a kid visiting my family we used to always make sure we go there once have their suicide wings and it, it would just be a good time <laughs> but look, yeah exactly enough food talk though we are here to talk about the nfl draft and i will start off with i think the main topic of conversation when it comes to any of these prospects and when it comes to northwestern and a lot of bears fans have had this kind of argument as well comes around peter skaronski i know everybody is talking about the arm length is yeah. he a guard is he a tackle after watching him for the last couple of years what is your honest belief and what you would project him at at the next level. Do you think he is, one, I guess, athletic enough to then play tackle, even if his arm length is lower than, I guess, the range that people say that scouts look for at those positions? Yeah, I think my answer is I think he can be whatever you want him to be, right? I, I think if you need a tackle, he can be a tackle. Now, I know a lot of people are concerned. He's got a 32 and a quarter inch arm length, right? And I know that a couple of years ago, Rashawn Slater out of Northwestern had the same concern. His was 33. So you're talking about the difference of a three quarters of an inch, right? And he turned into, he was second team all pro as a rookie, stepped right in left tackle, started every game and has been a, a great player for the Chargers. So I don't put a whole lot of stock. Now I agree that's part of the thing, right? They're investing millions of dollars and they're looking to nitpick and it's a concern. I get it. It should be a factor in an evaluation, but I don't think if you look at his body of work, you know, play the tape, you know, look at his performance. I don't think, you know, the three quarters of an inch or whatever it is, he's short of ideal, or even if it's an inch, whatever it is, I think he more than makes up for that with his, I mean, his feet are amazing. He's, he's a great athlete. You look at his technique, his kick step, his hand placement, he gets to the second level. The guy does it all. Um, and, you know, he's, you know, I've, and if you talk to him, we had during the year and stuff like that, I don't think he's, if you want to put him at guard, I think he's fine with that. He's a football player. He's not, I know Rashawn Slater, when he came out, he wanted to be a tackle. He was, he was firm on that where I don't think Skronsky, Skronsky's a football player. He, I don't think he, he'll play either one. Um, I think it'll be better for him in terms of draft draft pick and money and value and stuff to be a tackle. But uh, I think whatever your need is, you draft him, you can put him wherever you need him and not worry about that position for a decade or more. Yeah, I think I think that's that's the interesting one. Um, you know, also the fact he came out and said he was a Green Bay fan as a kid, which was yeah. went down a bit <laughs> Chicago people. Well, you can understand I mean, it though, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I can, I'm joking, I'm joking. I understand I fully understand. <laughs> from, from, watch, from watching him as a player. What's happened recently is is the conversations around the likes of Paris Johnson Jr. and the likes of um the likes of um Broderick Jones as well that they're more le historically more left tackles than right tackles. What do you, having seen him in depth, what do you see him if it was right tackle that he was put into? Do you see that as a position that is is his that historically he would be comfortable in, or do you see him more of a left tackle who can play right tackle? But just which one would you see him as a as a more better fit. Yeah, I, I think he can play either, but I think if you look at his uh, personality and his talent and everything, he's probably more suited to right tackle. It'd be my guess. He was going to be that he was going to come in at the plan when he was a freshman at Northwestern was he was going to move to right tackle because they had Slater on the left side. That was 2020 Slater opted out that year. 
So they moved Skaronsky to the left side, you know, the most demanding position on the line, playing in the Big Ten as a true freshman, and he was outstanding. I mean, from day one, he came in and, you know, he, he fit the part right away and has just gotten progressively better. I think, though, he's, you know, he, he's a very strong kid, very aggressive, physical kind of player. I think he excels in the run game. His, his pass protection's very strong as well. He's got very good technique and all that kind of stuff. But I think he might be more naturally inclined to be a right tackle where he can be a little more aggressive, a little more right run blocking and things like that. But, you know, to me, again, I get back to you can plug him in wherever you have a need. I think he's that kind of guy that has that versatility where, you know, if you want him to move him a guard, I think he can maul inside with those guys. Right tackle, left tackle, I think he can run the gamut. I think it'd be best for his wallet to be a left tackle, but I think he can uh, – you can plug him in anywhere. Just, yeah, just one last one, last one Karen. Sorry, just in, yeah, case sure. I, in case I forget to say it. Regarding, regarding him also, it, you've seen – him develop over the last two or three years as a person, and this is Kieran kind of alluded to at the start of it. As a person, I'm kind of almost obsessed with knowing what the player is like as a human being, and can he fit within the culture of being a Chicago Bear? Not does he know about the Chicago Bears because that's a load of rubbish, whatever. Whether he knows about the team or not is irrelevant to me. But but what I want to know is him as a person that he could fit into the locker room, that he's going to be the kind of the kind of person he wants. Is that something you've? From your experience, you've talked to him or seen him. Is he a leader? Is he that kind of player? Or is he someone that, a bit like a Khalil Mack, who performs and, and people follow him by his actions? Yeah, I think he's more, he's a pretty quiet kid in general. So, you know, part of my job was we cover recruiting as well. And when he was a recruit, he was, you know, four-star kid, Chicago area, big time recruit. Everybody was calling him. He never talked to anybody. He had as low a profile for a major recruit as I've ever seen. No one knew how many offers he had, what he was leaning or anything. And all of a sudden, boom, he committed to Northwestern. So he's a pretty low key guy. He's very businesslike. He's, he's a kind of a serious guy, loves the game. He, he wants to be great. You know, he's a hard worker and, you know, Fitz has talked many times, uh, you know, head coach Pat Fitzgerald has talked many times about how you, you only have to t- tell him something once and that's it, you know, and you kind of just leave him out there and, and he does his thing every week and you never have to worry about it. Um, he's not a very vocal guy, but I think this year, you know, he's talked about that during the season is that he's kind of had to be more vocal and it's something he kind of worked on because I don't think that's part of his natural natural uh, personality is to be more outgoing and vocal. He's more of a lead by example kind of guy. Um, I think that can be in him, but he's he he's a football guy. He's he's very serious about the game. He's a technician, and he just wants to play ball. You know that that's his primary thing. Yeah, he's a he's an interesting one, especially when you look at obviously. I, I said this last week on one of our shows that it's a really weird season for the draft because we're so used to seeing guys that are projected to be starting left tackles and right tackles be put up into the top 10, right? Mm-hmm. This year with everything that's going on with the quarterback position, what's going on with guys like Will Anderson Jr. and Jalen Carter, is we're not actually hearing a, a lot about the offensive tackles in this upcoming class to where it doesn't seem like there's a consensus on any of these guys. You've some people that really, really love Paris Johnson Jr. You've others that love Broderick Jones. You've others, when you look at a lot of the national guys, they talk about Skaronsky quite a lot. And I think that's what makes this so intriguing because normally you'd be thinking, well, if 
there's some very good tackles here. You'd think people would be pushing them up, but it doesn't seem like that's happening. Now, I still think a lot of these guys are going to go higher than people expect and what they're putting out on the latest mock drafts. But I guess one of the questions that us as Bears fans, and for anybody that doesn't know already in the show, Lou, you are a Bears fan as well. So right, yeah, absolutely. You have the same kind of persona as us here, but when we were talking to people around free agency, everybody was like concentrating, oh, you need to get better in terms of your pass blocking. That's the main thing. When we were talking about options at the right tackle, people were like, we want the best pass blocker out there. So with that in mind, how do you think Peter projects to the next level at that? Because we spoke about this right before we came on the show. It's great that the Bears are now all in on Justin Fields. They brought in DJ Moore in that trade down. But now it's time to build that line in front of him and give him that protection that he needs. Do you think that Peter Scaranti is a good fit for the Bears to take up one of those tackle positions and provide that much-needed help in terms of pass blocking? Absolutely. I mean, I think he's an outstanding pass blocker. You know, I was... Again, I think as a run blocker, that's his personality. He's more of an aggressive guy. But his you look at his pass block, I think he gave up one sack last year. And, you know, his, his kick step, he's got such great feet. The guy, you know, he's 313 pounds or whatever he is. He's got the feet of a ballerina out there. You know, he's he's quick. He's He's got all the athleticism that you need out on the edge. And that's that's what I get to, you know, more than anything is, you know, all this talk about the arm length and all that kind of stuff. If, if you just watch him play, watch his feet. You know, that guy is a, a tremendous athlete, a, you know, a mountain of a man that's moving like that. You know, he's, he's a heck of a talent. I think he can play either tackle spot. And like I said, if you want to move him to inside the guard, I think he can handle that too. He's a guy that, uh, he can come in and be a productive player, be a starter on day one. He's he's a polished, almost finished product kind of player that's, uh, you know, I, obviously he's got to improve in the NFL. But he did that in Northwestern. On day one, he, he was a very good player, and he only got better over the years, you know, with little minutia kind of things and techniques and hand placement and stuff that I don't even catch. You know, I'll, I'll leave that to the experts. But uh yeah, I think he's a he's a player that you can fit in just about anywhere. Yeah, it's a shame that in, in terms of the the arm length became an issue. Like I I wish for him that he got to whatever the minimum the scouts look for and yeah. you know, when we hear all this, because when you look at him as a player and you look at the production, like the fact that he played left tackle the entire three years that he was there, right? He gave up one sack this year. He gave up two sacks in 2021 and two sacks in 2020. That's pretty damn good That's to give up only five. In the and Big then, Ten. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And even to – I know people look at, like, things like pressures and stuff, but, like, in terms of the hits, he, QB hits that he gave up was two. The hurries was three. Like, these are the kind of, like, the – production you look for in terms of projecting to the next level and that's why i kind of feel bad for him where you hear this going on about it being the short arms and all that because whether he plays tackle or whether he gets put inside to guard i think it's very clear he's going to be a pretty damn good offensive lineman at the next level and for guys like him i wish it was just where he was in between where it doesn't become an issue because I think it's become more of a story on that rather than people actually looking at what he did on the football field. And that's a, a shame for these guys because it's not something that they can change, but what they can change is how they perform. And 
he was one of the top level performing offensive linemen that's coming out this year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I agree with you hundred percent. And we're looking at these little nitpicky things and, you know, maybe it puts a little chip on guys shoulders too. So maybe that could be a positive thing. I, I remember talking to Slater, it was probably a month before the draft or something like that. And I asked him, you know, there's talk about moving you inside and he like cut me off, said I'm a tackle. Now, and he was, he was not happy about that. You know, I, I, I never got that sense from Skaronsky. I think he'd be fine wherever you put him. But, uh, you know, I think that put a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Maybe that helped him out in the long run a little bit, too. Um, but, again, to your point, watch the tape. Look at that athleticism, his feet, just the whole package that he is, a complete, you know, player that he is. And I don't think, you know, whether it's – and, and it, it seems to be moving, too, because I remember when Slater was 33, and that was short. Right. So Scrotty's yeah. a little shorter than that. And they're saying, well, we'd like to see 33. Well, a couple of years ago, that was too short. So I don't even know what it is. You know, it's it seems crazy. And then there's also the gamesmanship from the NML, NFL teams. Right. That don't want to put out their true intentions. And they may, you know, back channel, use the media to say some negative things about certain players. Never. You know, there's that whole thing going never. on. Never. I would never, oh, yeah. never, <laughs> never happen. Never. So you. Yeah, you never know how much to believe either. So yeah, yeah it's it's all I, a bunch of talk. And we'll, I, well, all we have to do is go back two years when it all came out that Justin Fields isn't the hard worker. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Just on Northwestern, I don't want to bring up the Northwestern stuff, but I think you said something really interesting around the one sack last year that he had, considering Northwestern's results. And the, the 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 overall results, that's even better if you think about it. Because what kind of O line? And I'd be apologies, I wouldn't be the biggest Northwestern knowledgeable. I'm not the biggest you know, or college knowledgeable player or fan anyway. But what was the rest of the the O line like for uh, Northwestern? Was he obviously head and shoulders above everything else that was there? But was he literally the the shining star amongst everything else? Based on just the results, that may be the case. Did he stand out that much? Yeah. I mean, look, this was a, this was a one and 11 team last year, right? They, they won one game in Ireland, right? So they're Ireland's big 10 team. They, they were one and oh on Irish soil and oh and 11 everywhere else on earth. Maybe you should just move to Dublin. That's the way to do it. You want, yeah. You that's, would have got to the championship game if you were in Dublin, just saying. Yeah, well, well, they're building a new stadium here for Northwestern. And yeah, maybe they should put it in Dublin. They did, they did it all right there. But um yeah, so he was definitely the shiny star. He was all three years. Um, this year, too, they, they got dinged up by injuries a lot. You know, they by especially by the end of the year, they were playing a lot of guys. It's kind of a quilt work, you know, patchwork offensive line. But he was, yeah, the shiny star. And, again, you put him out there, and, you know, I think the offense really struggled. They, they were, I think, 128th in the country in scoring out of 131 teams or whatever it is. So they, they were not very productive, but that was the one position where you didn't have to worry about left tackle, right? They had headaches at quarterback, at offensive line, wide receiver, everywhere. But left tackle, you got that covered, you know, arguably one of the best, you know, one of the toughest positions they had, uh, probably the best player in the country last year. So, yeah, he was he was a star from day one. Can I, yeah. can I interrupt you there, Kevin, for you? Bronsky Bear, one of our regular guys, has just asked a question that I just wanted to throw up there to everybody, or the three of us, which is the, the question, which is, Paris Johnson, Suzanski, and Broderick Jones, if, you, if they could all play only left tackle, 
which one would you draft? Well, you know my answer, right? I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to pretend to be. A, you know, I did see Paris Johnson. He's an outstanding player. You know, he's a first rounder too. I think they're. You know, he and Skaronski are very good players. Both of them. I'm not. I'm like, I, I don't really know as much about Broderick Jones. I saw him in the playoffs and, you know, he's a, he's a great player too. I don't think there's a real miss there. Um, and it depends also where you're drafting him and stuff like that. I, I am of the belief if you want a left tackle and, and you draft Skronsky, you can absolutely put him there and not have to worry. I don't think the arm thing is an issue. And I think he, he was the number one rated offensive lineman by pro football focus all year for a reason. You know, he's, He's the complete package. And I think it can be, if he's a left, if you need a left tackle, he can be your left tackle. You need a right tackle. You need a guard. He can be whatever you want him to be. But I've, I've got no doubts that he can play left tackle in the NFL very well. You set me up on this, Ant. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I, I was actually asking, asking Louis' question. You can hold off if you want to hold off your no, answer fine. for later on. No, it's it, it's fine. I've been a massive fan of Paris Johnson Jr. all season long, and again, it Great was always, yeah, it was always between two because, uh, luckily enough, getting to go to the game uh, in Dublin for Northwestern, and honestly, I'd say for two quarters, I was taking like videos of everything, and literally, I was just focusing on Skaronski because he's really difficult to miss because how he's just killing dudes like he blocks someone and then it's not enough he wants to pancake them throw their heads into the dirt like that's <laughs> the type of offensive lineman you, yeah. you like and that's what I do like about Skoransky and kind of goes to the point of where I feel bad for him more as that more of the talk has gone around his his arm length for me I like Paris Johnson because some similar reasons to Skaronski he moves really good for a big guy and is a really good pass blocker and I think for both of those guys especially for Paris Johnson there's versatility there as well played right guard oh, yeah. in 2021 played left guard this year we had a, one of the reporters from Ohio State and he's the same way as Skaronski doesn't give a crap where he plays he just wants to play and mm -hmm. those are the type of guys that you want because you never know what can happen right like you could draft Skaronski and maybe it doesn't work out playing right tackle or left tackle. Well, if that player doesn't care where they play as long as they play, well, you can move them. We've heard too many players this year in free agency say, I'm only a left tackle. Or, I only want to play tackle. I don't want to play on the inside. Those aren't the guys that you want to bring in. You want guys to bring in, if look, if it doesn't work or if it's the best for the team, you can move them inside or move them outside. And, why that's I the like, key. Yeah, and that's, why that's I like those two the most, I think, is just because the athleticism is there. And that's what, in terms of for the Bears, that's what Ryan Poles has constantly said that he wants. He wants athleticism. That's why I think it's always been that toss-up between, does he like, I always said if if the Bears see Skaronski as a tackle, he's going to be an option there. It just depends on how they see him, if they see him on the inside or the outside. So if they see him as a tackle, He'll go high. He would be high on their list, I'd say. Paris right, Johnson. Yeah. Paris Johnson. We've seen the Bears have met with him multiple times already, so you can tell there's some sort of interest there. And then Broderick Jones is in a similar vein because he is that athletic, and that, that's why I think those ones make sense. A lot of the guys that we talk about, maybe that are maybe the back end of the first round, that are very talented, and we don't really fit 
what we've heard Paul's wanting in terms of wanting athleticism on that offensive line, which to be fair, you need to be athletic if you're going to have Justin Fields as your quarterback as well. So it is going to be important there. But I think, like you said, Louis, I think you can't really go wrong with these three guys because I think they are extremely talented and you would definitely improve that Bears offensive line with any one of them. I think a lot of it does come down to where do they project these guys going forward? If they project Skaronsky as a tackle, I think he's up there at the top with Paris Johnson, in my opinion. And then I have Broderick Jones a little bit below those two. But again, I think it all comes down to opinion and projection of where you think these guys are going to be, not where they are now. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, when you get caught up in this draft talk of who's a left tackle, and it's almost like it's a negative if you can play a different position. Guys, that's a positive, right? So no matter what your need is, maybe you've got left tackle, you've got someone that's a little bit better and your weaknesses at right tackle, throw them on the right side. That's fine. You can put them inside. It, you know, I think the ability to be that versatile and be able to play different uh, positions on the line makes you valuable. And again, Everybody, you know, the left tackles get paid, right? And the left tackles are at a little higher value and stuff like that. But in terms of, you know, if you're a personnel guy, taking a guy that you project, all right, we think he's the left tackle. But if something happens, if things change on our line, we can play this guy anywhere. I think that's that's a very valuable thing. Yeah. Not, not for me. Sorry, Karen. Not for me is what makes Skronsky a very, very interesting candidate for the Chicago Bears. Um, because exactly what you just said, what Karen said, that he can he can play across all three. Uh, he can play in any position. I love the fact you said that he didn't care. I love that. I hadn't heard that before, that he didn't care where he played as long as he played. That's that's That gives him even more kudos for me. I totally agree with you. I, I think... It's better to have somebody who just wants to play rather than I'm only this or I'm only that. Uh, it it mean it shows maturity as well uh, that he's able to understand that he may not be the best at that position at that time, but he he can pick and some pick in somewhere else. Um, but yeah, just on, on that, I think that's a that's a really really good trait to have. And if I think that's the funny part about this, I wouldn't mind if all any of the three came. Really, really don't. I think all three will oh, sure. would add something to the Chicago Bears. I mean, they'd add something to who we need, and they make us a better team. And that's what. That's what you want, really, at the end of the day. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So we'll move from one intriguing prospect to another that seems to be going all over the place. I'll make up announce his name. <laughs> and I'll do it for you. Adetamiwa Adebaware. What Boom. is... Adetamiwa, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Close, close, close. Um, <laughs> but this is an interesting one because it seems like the projection for him is all over the place. Some people are really high in them. Some people aren't as high as as others. Some people see him more on the outside. Some people see him more as going inside to play three tech. Obviously, I think Iberflus was, he was interviewed and he said that they had spoken to him as a three tech option. I know he's coming in to the Bears for a top 30 visit as well. So that again shows they probably want to learn more about him as as a player if they are projecting him in a bit of a different position. Before we get into the projections and where you see him is, what is he like as both a player and like we've kind of mentioned with Peter, a person? Because there's not we don't have loads about him because, again, a lot of it seems to be a projection to the next level. 
Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, it, they have a lot of similarities personality wise. Adetamawa is, is a, is a quiet guy too. Very kind of cerebral. He doesn't say much, you know, it's funny. Cause I would say out of the whole team this year, those two are probably kind of the worst interviews <laughs> because they don't give you a whole lot. They don't, they're smart. You know, they don't get into, you know, you're not going to make them say anything. They don't want to say they keep things limited. They use their cliches. You know, they're smart guys. That's mm-hmm. the way you should play it. But uh, Tommy, Tommy A is a, he, he's a quiet kid. Uh, doesn't say much, but again, you look at him and he is the total package. I mean, I wasn't shocked. I knew he was going to do well at the combine because that's, he yeah. had, you know, power and speed. I thought he was a, a unique uh, package there of talent. But uh, I mean, my jaw dropped when he hit that, uh, what was it? Four, four, nine at 282 pounds. Wow. I mean, that's a big man rolling pretty fast. So yeah, that, that one really popped to me, but yeah, he is a little bit of a tweener, right? So he's a little short for defensive end. I always thought he was kind of playing a bit out of position, but Northwestern, I think it made more sense for him at defensive end. I always thought he could be a three technique. I think he's going to have to put on a little weight, but that won't be a problem because he's got that power and explosiveness, you know, that you see on an end, he's got that great get off. He's very strong, very powerful. He's very explosive inside. So I think he's a guy that, uh, to me, I think would make more sense as a three technique. You said there a second ago that that he needs to put on a bit more weight uh, if he wants to be a three tech. Is there anything else that stands out from watching him the last that year from a from a from a technique perspective that you think if he was to jump inside the three tech that he would need to to need to improve? Yeah, I don't, I mean, look, as a defensive end, he was, you know, he's one of those rare two-way guys that can anchor against, you know, he can set that edge against the run. He could also get after the quarterback, right? He's got a little bit of that quick twitch stuff off the edge that he can get after people. He didn't make a ton of plays in terms of like sacks and TFLs and stuff like that. That's another reason I think he may be better suited inside, right? So you want that three technique, someone that can get across, penetrate, and disrupt things, right? I think that's that's an ideal job for him because he's got that explosive first step. He's got great get off, and he is strong. I always thought he had the strength of a defensive tackle. He can play inside with those guys. Um, great, you know, speed to power, that whole thing. Um, and I think that, you know, it's kind of an ideal situation for him would be a guy that can get up field, you know, even if you don't make the tackle, he'd be very disruptive in the middle and force them to go to the outside. You know, I think that's kind of an ideal situation for him where he can have the most value for a team. Yeah. He's, it's an interesting one because I think a lot of bears fans for doing, I know it seems like every single day you see about 300 mock drafts that are on oh, yeah. Twitter right now. And we were kind of saying this about a month ago. It seemed like 95% of the mock drafts that Bears fans were doing had a Devil Ware on it. And it makes it, it's very interesting because obviously you look at it and three tech is a big position that the Bears do need to fill because they didn't bring in anybody at that, at that rate. And honestly, I would hope if he, if he was a second round pick, it would make a bit of sense because he wouldn't have to play every single down in his rookie year because while the Bears don't have like a stalwart three tech, they do have a couple of guys in the interior that we like to say are kind of like at least average or at least to use a baseball reference, like 
replacement level, right? And it gives a, it gives a guy like him some time to adjust to the next level. I guess you as a Bears fan, but seeing him up close over the last couple of years, what do you think the fit is like there between the Eberflus defense and obviously a really important position is the three tech and what you expect from him going forward into his NFL career? Yeah, I mean, to me, he makes a lot of sense at that three technique, you know, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, and I think even that, you know, his lack of height, what do you measure? Six one, I want to say, right? Something like that. Think, he's, he's a little... I think, I think he measured in at six two, but I don't oh, know. Six two, okay. <laughs> yeah. But I think that can help you a little bit inside too, right? Um, and he's again, he's that disruptive guy. I think he can get upfield. And the thing about him that that stands out to me, even like I remember tweeting this more than once this year during a game, watching a game, is that you know the the game was out of hand, or you know Northwestern had lost the game, but you know, number 99 has not quit. You know, he's out there making plays. That guy, he's, he's one of those guys that has the motor, you know, he's, he's going a hundred miles an hour, every snap. And it, it continues. Doesn't matter what the score is, what the situation is, you know, first down, third down, fourth down, first quarter, fourth quarter, doesn't matter. He is going a hundred miles an hour, you know, and I think that's something that's, you know, that's going to serve him well in the NFL or anywhere he goes. He's got that kind of engine, where he's, he's bringing it all the time and he's got the skill set to match it. Right. So I think he's a guy that can be that disruptive influence. And, and I expect, you know, no matter where he goes, especially defensive line, they rotate guys, you know, and Northwestern used them a lot. You know, he played defensive end much more than he did inside, but they, and when third downs and passing downs, they'd move him inside and he could get that push from the, from inside the middle of the quarterback and they let a faster, you know, a speed guy let go on the outside. Right. So, you know, he, he, he certainly played both positions and played them well. I think he projects a little bit better as a defensive tackle, just looking at his skill set, his athleticism and, and his size, really. I think he's, he makes more sense at, at defensive tackle to me. Just, just on that, just who we're talking about, about Peter, and I'm gonna, I love the way you call him Tommy, so I'm gonna call him Tommy because I'm not even gonna try and butcher his name. But <laughs> yeah. From Northwestern's perspective, if somehow the Bears were to get him in round two, let's just say he fell to the Bears and everything went perfectly, for Northwestern as a university to then have it have the Bears picking one and two Northwestern players, oh, what would that mean for the, what would that mean for the university itself as as a university that is basically on the on the cusp of Chicago, having the the first two picks of the, the draft going to Chicago Bears. Oh, that'd be cool! I, I tell you what, fans would love it for one, right? Because there's a lot of Northwestern fans, obviously Bears fans in Chicago, and you go to school there, you kind of become a Bears fan. I think it's kind of automatic. It would make Fitz very happy. I can tell you that he's he's a big Bears fan too. You know, he's he bleeds that blue and orange, so he'd be happy too. Um, Really, I mean, Northwestern, you know, I, a big part of my job, again, you know, I talk to recruits and things like that Northwestern's recruiting. And I tell you, when they put two guys in the first round two years ago with Rashawn Slater and Greg Newsom, the cornerback, that was a big deal for the program. And, you know, kids talk about that. You know, if you, 
more so than what team they end up with. If you can get two first rounders or a first rounder and a high two and a guy like, you know, out has just been rocketing up everybody's mock drafts. And he's, he's been a big topic of conversation since the combine. He was really kind of one of the stars that come out of the combine combine. And he did really well at the senior bowl too. So he's been kind of a high profile. He's really boosted his brand a little bit with this, the whole pre-draft stuff. And that really, you know, plays well to recruits, plays well in living rooms. And, you know, Pat Fitzgerald is going to use that an awful lot if they can, uh, you know, put two guys in the first round again. That would, that would be a heck of a heck of a coup. Yeah, but they got to get better on the field now, right? They're putting guys in. The field. Yeah. You know, they had Northwestern had four guys at the combine and one win last year. That's something's wrong there. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that is a problem. And look, you mentioned – Greg Newsom and it kind of reminded me of after the game in Dublin in listening back to kind of the press conferences and when you looked at kind of Cam Mitchell he kind of brought up Greg Newsom and he was talking about how he wanted to kind of follow in the same footsteps that he did in moving on to the next level and he's a guy that I don't think a lot of people are talking about really in terms of one of I guess one of the guys that they're projecting at the at the next level to, I guess, the higher echelon guys, right? But he has a, a few traits there that does project well to what teams are looking for at the NFL level, especially in terms of his ball skills. Like, he goes after the football, and that's what we always say. Even when we're, when we're comparing kind of the guys at the top end of the draft, we always look at, well, which guy – really has the best ball skills and that's something that he does have that really coaches within whether he goes in day two or day three whatever it is coaches will always look for the guys that go after the football because again it's such an important part of it now where a lot of coaches now we we start to see it hasn't really been gone on to completely stopping an offense because some people are like you're never going to be able to completely stop Pat Mahomes. But if you can take the ball away from him once or twice, you have a good chance of winning the football game. And it's something that I've liked about Cam over his career at Northwestern in terms of even if it doesn't come into interceptions, you always see him looking for the football. You always see him trying to get his hands on the football. And I think it's something that a lot of people, we're not really hearing his name quite a lot, but he's a really intriguing player at the next level. Yeah, I think, first of all, yeah, Greg Newsom and him go way back. They were both Chicago area players. They played on the same seven-on-seven club, you know, and, and in the offseason and stuff like that. Um, when Newsom left, Cam Mitchell took over number two. That was Greg Newsom's jersey number. So there's a lot of history there. Yeah, it was a guy that he always looked up to. He's, you know, you talk about going after the ball. He also gets after ball carriers, too. He, yeah. He's a very physical, aggressive kind of player, much like Newsom was. He, do, he doesn't have – I don't think the the skill set that a Greg Newsom, right? Greg Newsom's a first rounder and I think he's a little more fluid, maybe a little, little faster and things like that. But Cam Mitchell brings a lot of those traits in terms of his, his physicality, his aggressiveness. He's, he's got those ball skills. He can close on the ball and things like that. And I think he can play where he may not be like an outside number one cover corner kind of guy, but maybe inside as a slot corner. I think he could make a pretty good fit there where that, you know, that aggressiveness, that physicality will serve him well, you know, and I think they've, they've got, you know, he also had some flags, 
this this last year, last couple of years, you know. So that's something he's got to work on a little bit. Where maybe that he's a little too aggressive with his hands and things like that gets him in trouble a couple of times. But um, I think he's got like you know to your point, he's got some of the skills you look for um, in a in a corner. I think he's a guy that you know he's projected. I've seen middle rounds, late rounds, whatever it is, but. I think he's a guy that could get into camp and find a niche somewhere like a slot corner and certainly a guy that can contribute on special teams and things like that too. Yeah. yeah I love, I, sorry, sorry, go ahead. Huh? Yeah. I, I think that's, that's another area that people forget that the bears will be looking at cornerback. Uh, I still think that people are going to have a, a field day if they suddenly see cornerback taken in the first round, but that's just me. Um, I, I think there's a, there's an interesting one, Within within him, is is that is that area that I get the feeling that he more than the other two get impacted by the results on the field with Northwestern. That cornerbacks usually get get kind of not tired is the right word, but get kind of tired tired with the results that that come off the games. Do you think while the results were going on, how what his performance was like? Was he was he not being targeted? Was he performing to the level that you would expect him to perform to get into those third, fourth, fifth rounds? Or, or was it something that before the season started, people were projecting him higher, and as the season went on, he kind of dropped off a little bit? No, he was never – he wasn't a guy that I don't think people were projecting as, as a first-rounder or anything like that at any point in his career. I think um, I started really – it was this season I really started hearing it, and it was first from Fitz, you know, or press conferences, you know, people talking about he's got NFL potential and things like that. So – he really wasn't a guy that uh, we thought of that way. Um, and, but to your point, you know, I think most offenses did look to the other side. Northwestern had some injury issues in the secondary uh, last year, really the last two years. And so a lot of teams were going to the other side more. So he didn't maybe get as many playmaking opportunities as some other people did. I, I would I would say that for sure. Um, he's not a guy, I think, you know, he's, he's kind of an emotional physical player, but I don't think I didn't see any drop off or anything like that because they were having a bad year or anything, you know, and Fitz will tell you that this year, the locker room was pretty tight. They, you know, they didn't fracture, even though they're going through this nightmare season, they were very together. He said he never really had to push them or get after them, which is part of the reason he was so frustrated that they didn't win, you know? for those guys because they meant so much to him. Um, but he was one, you know, he's, he's one of the leaders of the team, I think last year. And um, so, no, I, I don't think he's a guy that I saw any drop off and he's a guy that kind of really, for me anyway, emerged as a NFL kind of talent more this year. You know, Newsom was a guy I saw like right away. I thought, you know, that guy can play on Sundays. I didn't really get that from Mitchell until much later in his career. Yeah, and look, we'll we'll finish it off with one other guy that I thought was a very impressive guy after the game in Dublin, and I think he started getting more kind of popularity after the Senior Bowl this year, and that's Evan Hull. Um, again, I think he's one guy that maybe for Bears fans aren't focusing too much on the running backs after obviously they they signed Dante Foreman, they got a couple of other guys in, but I still think they could be in the market for at least somebody in maybe one of the late rounds because again if they if they don't value running backs highly well then you got to get ready for whenever Khalil Herbert's not going to be there and just constantly get through it and I've always been one where I'm happy if you have multiple picks in the draft if you want to draft the running back pretty much every year I'm good with it because we know what happens with those guys but 
Evan is a really intriguing prospect in terms of he does a lot of the things that NFL coaches nowadays are looking for. It's not just about having the side, the speed. You need to be able to, to block. You need to be able to have soft hands out of the backfield. What do you see for, for him moving forward? Because he seems like it was a late one for people talking about him, but now you're starting to see more people say, you know, this is a, a genuinely good prospect in terms of this running back class, which is very, very impressive on the outset. But he's kind of showing people now, I think especially after the senior bowl, really the type of player that he is and what he can be at the next level. Yeah. Now th- there's a kid that really worked himself into a prospect. I mean, he came out yeah. of high school. I know rivals, the organization I worked for, they rated him as a two-star guy. He was a late ad. No one really thought much of him. And he kind of over his career, he really turned himself into a, a, a bona fide, you know, he was their, their a train this year, right? He was the ball carrier. He was the guy that got the brun, you know, carried him the last couple of years. He's a guy that's got, you know, he, he is intriguing. He's what, like 209 pounds. I think he is. He runs behind his pads. He's got some power inside, you know, and he's also got a little bit of long speed. He's, you know, he ran, I think it was a four, four, seven, but he had some long runs in his college career, you know, 75 yarder. I think he had a 90 yarder at one point where he's got some speed too. You know, he's, he's that intriguing mix where he can do a little bit of everything. I think he's ideally suited into a zone running scheme where he can make one cut. He's not a guy, you know, like a, like a Justin Jackson was, or, you know, a Barry Sanders or something that is very elusive. You know, he's not going to make you miss in a phone booth, but what he can do is, you know, plant his foot, make the cut and get up field. You know, that's where I think he excels. And then, you know, maybe the thing that I think stand, makes him stand out among other running backs is that ability to catch the ball that you were talking about. I think he's a, yeah. he's got very good hands and he's very good at going from receiver to runner. You know what I mean? He can, he capitalizes on his opportunities, gets up field. And I think he could, you know, stick as a, as a third down kind of guy. Um, so he's an intriguing option. Like you said, he's a guy that's got some skills there that, you know, I don't think he, he doesn't wow you with, you know, uh, his, his size is good. His speed is good. He doesn't have any outstanding attribute, but I think his, that ability to catch the ball could have, you know, make him stick somewhere. And he's a guy too, that as, as I saw him over his career, that guy is going to work. He's going to do everything it takes to get on the field. He's, he's, he's a, just a tireless worker and a guy that really, I got a lot of respect for what he did over his career to turn him into a a guy that we're talking about in the NFL draft. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, he had 914 yards rushing and 536 yards receiving. So typically on a terrible offense, terrible offense. It had, everybody knew 26 was getting the ball, you know, they didn't have a whole lot else going on. Exactly. And that's what is really impressive when you look at him because we always talk about it when we were analyzing running backs this year. We're like, the ones that fit are the guys that look, obviously, you need to be able to be a, a good runner of the football, but also you need to be able to catch out of the backfield. Because it's the one thing that the Bears running backs right now, we don't have a lot of, I guess, experience of because obviously Montgomery's gone. You have Herbert, who is really good between the tackles, but we haven't really seen him much in terms of the passing game. Dante Foreman had a really good year last year, but hasn't stayed healthy for a whole season prior to last year. 
So there are still a lot of kind of questions there. And that's why I do think you may see the Bears draft a guy in day three that is kind of good at basically what Montgomery gave. Can you help out in, if it's max protect, can you help out if you need to chip somebody? Can you be an option out of the backfield in terms of providing fields with, let's say something breaks down that you're able to just dump it off to the back knowing that he'll be able to catch it because we haven't got enough proof from the guys that are there already. So he is a really interesting prospect. And like you said, what I like about him is he wasn't deemed a draft pick per se, but his hard work is the reason that he got there. And typically those are the guys that actually make it at the next level because they want to continuously get better. And that's a really good sign for him kind of moving forward with his career. Yeah. Yeah. I read a, 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 you know, draft analysis. There's, you know, there's a million of them out there. I don't know, but they were questioning, you know, they they say he's got to improve in in pass blocking or something. That, That was the comment. And, I, I can't really speak, you know, is he NFL ready and pass blocking? I don't know. I never noticed any deficiency there. And he was all, you know, he was going out for the pass for a lot of the time also, but I, but I guarantee you uh, to be a good blocker. That, that's not good. Paul is a grinder. He's a, he's a guy that's going to go out there and do it. That's, that's one thing. I think will serve him well, no matter where he lands that. And he's got that third down ability. And I think he's a, he's a guy that could stick somewhere. Yeah. Look, it, it's, it, he's a really interesting one to kind of project to see where he goes within the next level. Hopefully he gets into a good system that fits his skill set. but look, Louis, it's been great having you on the show. We, we really enjoyed all your insight onto it. Look, Hopefully we'll get to talk to you after the after the draft when the Bears pick one of the one yeah of these that'd be great guys. yeah I hope that would, so that would, that would be a good time. But even still, if anybody wants to kind of follow some of some of your work, you want to let people know where they can kind of find some of that. Sure, I'm at wildcatreport.com, which is the Northwestern site on the uh, rivals.com network, and you can find me on Twitter at wildcatreport. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today, Louis. We'll definitely be having you back on, whether it be after a draft or whether we'll be heading towards the college football season this year. We'll definitely be annoying you to come back on the show. I'd love to do it. It was a lot of fun, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to the draft. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Louis. Appreciate you. Slancha. (laughs) That was a lot of fun having Louis on the show. It's always good, and we say this every week, it's it's great having kind of some of the reporters to be able to talk with these guys because we can go through it. We can say what we see in terms of the table. A lot of it we said is to do with kind of the personal side of things, right? Like yeah. knowing what the people are because that's what these teams have to try and do now. They're not bringing in these guys for like top 30 visits because they don't know what the players are like. They're doing it to figure out like what are these guys like in, as people. It's the reason why... Eberflus and Poles did the whole dartboard or put put thing at the combine. They know these guys. They have they have thousands of scouting reports on all of them. They have all the analytics related to them. They have so many different people related to all these prospects that have looked into them. What they're trying to find out is do they fit into our culture? Are they good guys? Are they gonna work hard for this team? And I think that's one of the most important things that you kind of have to look at as 
as fans here because that's what the team's going to be doing now. We can say, I prefer this player to this player, but if that player is a fucking D-bag and, <laughs> and polls and Iberfus like, no, that's a, that's a nightmare waiting to happen. We can't do that. We need to go for this guy instead. Well, maybe the guy that's a D-bag was your favourite player and you'll just like the other one. But if they're saying, well, this guy doesn't fit what we want to do here because he's not going to fit into the culture and he's not going to work his ass off and he's just going to be lazy, well, then you may as well go for the guy that you believe in, but you also know is going to work for... I always say this, the players you want to try and find are the guys that work for the name in front at the front of the jersey and not the one at the back of the jersey. Yeah. Always look for a guy that is a team player and... That's a big thing, and I think it's something that Pose has mentioned as well. It's like to you always want to find the guy that is going to work as part of a team, and that could be they will meet with Broderick Jones. They'll meet with Peter Skoronsky. They'll meet with Paris Johnson Jr. If they are planning on taking a tackle early in the draft, they'll meet with these guys, and they'll want to see, well, which one's going to fit in with the room that we have there? Because which one, if they're planning on playing one of these guys on the left or right side, how do we think that they will fit with the way we've built our offensive line in terms of their personalities? Will it be a good mesh? Because we always say those positions, it needs to be as one. It can't be an individual out there. So I think it was really interesting to hear Louis' thoughts on Skaronsky. Um, The fact that he thinks that he can play tackle. Look, I expected him to say that because, again, it all comes down to opinion, whether you believe does arm length matter. And that's why I always say for the Bears, Skaronsky will be at high on their list if they believe he's a tackle. If they believe he's a tackle, he may be the number one guy on the list because he's a damn good offensive lineman. But if they have scouts there be like, and they're like, we can't do it because his arm length is too slow or is too small and... He looks like a T-Rex out there. And Seth, <laughs> where are you, Seth? I have to do it. I have to do it. I'm sorry. Um, but like, if if they see that, and they're like, we're taking a risk because if it doesn't work out, well, then there's data to say, well, why did you pick the guy that has the smallest arms of any of the tackles that would be in the NFL? And you- that's the problem that they may have if they do draft him. One thing I'll say on that is I don't think Poles gives a shit about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he proved that last year by taking a safety in a corner. Um, I think I think he, he that that may not be something that stands to him. I think the question comes down to who do you think is going to be your and it seems in the last couple of days that everything seems to be twi- switching towards they don't want the right tackle. In fact, they want the left tackle because there's talk a lot about. Um, Braxton Jones moving across the right tackle. So it's almost like that they want to get the left tackle done. And if that's the case, that doesn't bode well for for, for Peter to get um, to get that that number nine spot. Because I think, personally, I think both, both um, Paris Johnson Jr. and Broderick Jones are better left tackles than he is. However, what I do like about him, and, and I'm delighted Louis said it, is he doesn't care what position he plays. And that's, that may sound like a small thing to say, but that's really important for me because it means he'll play anywhere and we can we can put him into that scenario, which I don't know the case. I don't know the other two guys. I really don't. They may be the same as well. I'm not I'm not 
saying one is better than the other. But based on what I heard tonight, that does give me a nice intrigue around what you can offer for him because it's not just about left tackle. I'm just a left tackle. You better play me there. I'm, I'm not. I'm not good anywhere else. And I think that's an interesting. That was an interesting part of the, the conversation. Um, I loved his talk on an Evan and Evan Hall. I know you've been really big on him since Dublin. Um, about how that just a guy as a dude just comes across as a as a worker. I love that story. It seems a really cool story. A two star recruit, no one's spoken about. Um, and is now on the cups of cusp of being in the NFL. Shows he works damn hard. Shows he he wants to be he wants to be great and be as good as he possibly can be himself. I love those type of players. I love those types of stories. So I hope he ends up somewhere, somewhere for him that's not anywhere else around Chicago, but is in a place that that he can go and su- succeed. And I'll definitely be following that story. And uh, I just want to get your take on on what you think Louis thought of Tommy. What was your what was your take on after the conversation you you heard there? What was your take on that as a projection for Chicago? I think. What he said fits in terms of if he's played at three tech, but I also come it also kind of confirms my thoughts that I think a team would be crazy to pick him in the first round. Yeah, um, that's that's how I am. I think for him, he's a complete projection because he played on the outside in in college, and even though they said that maybe a skill set fits more on the inside, well, then you are taking a complete projection. It is one of those tweener type guys and those are risks but if if he is there in the second round that's where maybe the risk becomes kind of is it a risk reward type thing i have no idea where he's gonna go i would love it if he fell to the very second second round pick yeah because i think at that point there's no pressure there right and you can have him come in He's going to be one of those guys, right? I don't think he's going to be a middling guy. I think he's either going to be unbelievable or he's not going to be what we're all looking at right now in terms of our projections. Now, I think he's going to be pretty good at the next level, but the problem is we're doing this based on the traits that he has, not based on kind of what he's shown as a larger sample size. Like People can mention, oh, there's this play here or this play here against this team or this team. like. It's bullshit because these guys can win on any given day, right? Like they're all very talented. They're all athletic. But at the NFL, right, like if you mess up once and it, and it, that play becomes viral or you're the reason why your team has conceded a 75-yard touchdown, well, then suddenly you have the fans on your back. because And that's what happened to guys like Eddie Jackson, for example, right? Like he missed a tackle that – really guys before him should have made and he looks stupid because of it or we saw plays last year where the defensive line are on their ass and people are like well what is this guy doing here and that's the that's the issue why you always look at guys that have done it in the college level because then it's an easier projection it doesn't mean he can't do it like he has the traits to show that he can be successful at the next level it's just a harder evaluation because we haven't seen proof of him doing it. And that's the problem. And also, this is a another a good point here. Tyree Wilson is also a tweener. He doesn't really have the explosive first step you want from your DN. His best position is three tech on RD. Addy is very similar in that regard. The thing is, Tyree Wilson is going to be a tweener, but Tyree Wilson is being talked about as the number one edge in the draft. And that's where it kind of gets 
crazy to me as well. So yeah, look, it's it's really interesting to see how this is going to go. But this was a really fun show because getting to learn a little bit more about these. And I want to let people know because there's a couple of people that may didn't they maybe didn't see some of our previous ones. This is episode three. Um, we did talk about um, clan, the Clemson Tigers and the prospects from them last week or the week before. I can't remember. I think it was last week. And then a couple of weeks ago, we did one on the Ohio State Buckeyes. And next week, we have one on Oregon. And the week after, it's Iowa. So we have a couple of different beat reporters from these from the main schools coming on to talk about some of these guys. We will see how many we can get on over the next four weeks just to get that little bit of insight for you guys. So make sure that you do subscribe to the channel so you don't miss any of that. Tomorrow, we have a show where there's going to be a bunch of us from the Irish Bears show on. Basically doing like a mini round table um, where we're going to be slamming the table for who we want the Bears to pick at nine and will be the main conversation. If we have a little bit of time, we might focus a little bit on the second round. But it's going to be a lot of fun, especially because uh, one of the other guys has taken my prospects. So I have to slam the table for somebody yeah, no. that I'm not slamming on, the no. table for. Noel stole, no. stole my prospects. So I'm, I already know who I'm going for anyway. It's fine. But still, it was... Uh, it's going to be fun tomorrow because we're going to be arguing with each other good and it's it's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of fun but the one there was two kind of questions that I want to put out before we ended the show here today and one of them is just because there's been a lot of talk of this over the last 24 to 48 hours where it seems like people are taking polls words and Eberflus's words I'm thinking that the bears are definitely trading down um at 9 and I guess to go with that is is that what you want? Like, I, I'm kind of on record and saying I understand the reason for people wanting to trade down because to get an extra pick in the second round or an earlier pick in the second round, I understand that. But at the same time, I know this team is devoid of talent and I don't want to give up talent that's at the, in the top 10. Like, when we were talking to people before, right? When we were talking about the trading back from one, Anytime we put out there, oh, what if we trade back to 11 or 13 or 15? People are like, no, we can't go outside the top 10. But now suddenly that we're at nine, people want the Bears to trade outside the top 10. And for me, I understand the rationale behind it. But at some point, you need to take the guys that are going to be genuine difference makers. And look, if people... Let's say they trade. They want people. They want them to trade back with, I don't know, Washington at fifteen or sixteen. Well, what happens if there's a run on offensive tackles? And let's say Skaronski, Broderick Jones, and Paris Johnson are gone. Let's say the likes of Tyree Wilson's gone, Jalen Carter's gone. Obviously, Will Anderson are all gone. Let's say, I don't know, one of the other draft favorites, Jackson Smith and Jigba's gone. How will people feel then? When you're 16th and all of your favorites that you've been talking about for the entire draft process here are all gone and you're stuck at 16 and then you end up with a guy that you're like, yeah, I like. And then a guy at whatever, 30, what it would be, no, be 40 something and could still not get your guy. And that's, and that's the problem. Do you know what it is? It's if that happened in PFF or in Pro Football Network, you just hit restart, and there, right there, is the problem. 
because what people have got suckered into is these drafts they're seeing on their simulator and seeing that they get 400. Like I, I did it one today and I went from nine to 10 with the Eagles and they gave me a first and a second. So like, that's just, that's insanely stupid. And then they went and took a, a safety or something. My, my issue with, with all the simulators, and I'm obsessed with it, but the issue with the simulators, it gives you a false sense of what a, what a trade back looks like. We always say this on the show, you need a trade partner. To, <laughs> you, need a trade partner <laughs> you need a trade partner to to, to literally get a trade. And you got to remember, it's got to be good for both sides. Everyone forgets this. The Panthers deal, everyone's saying, is an absolute like steal for the Bears because we suckered them in with all this. It is at the moment, but imagine if the, the quarterback they take becomes the next great quarterback of in all history. Suddenly, it's the Panthers have won that that trade. You know, that's mm-hmm. what happens. It was a good trade for both deals. I think myself personally, if I'm in my PFF hat, I'm like, yeah, trade back with Dallas and get the 26 pick and get 400 draft picks off them. And oh look, Breezy is still there at 26, or or you know, like one of the edges is still there. That the likelihood of that happening is is almost zero. I'm with you. I want reality to kick in. I want us to take someone at nine that is a stud player that's going to be a massive part of our team going forward. And I think that's where the conversation should end up. Um, whether that's whether that's going to be Carter, whether that's going to be Gonzalez, whether that's going to be a Paris Johnson Jr., whether that's going to be any of the ones that we're talking, JSN, all those guys are, are potentials. But what I think is interesting then is what happens after that, whether we then go back up into earlier in the second round from some of our guys, some of our picks in the second round. That could be a possibility. I don't know. But I think at nine, I think I'm with you. I, I want to stick there and get the best guy we could possibly get. Um, and and really go go after a really important position. Like I saw guys talking about about the I can't believe I forgot his name, the running back who would be a Bijan Robinson. Yeah, Bijan would be an absolute superstar. Will turn everybody. Will be an amazing player in the NFL. We don't need a running back, lads. We may do in twelve months' time, and it's unfortunate he'll be gone by then. But we need a stud in. In, a, in the offensive line or in the defensive line or even potentially in, in a cornerback position as well. So we need yeah. guys in those positions. So unfortunately he may be all that in a bag of chips, but he's not going to be a Chicago Bear. Or if he is, then the real pressure kicks in on getting number the second round right. If, if, he, if he goes with Robinson in round one for argument's sake, he goes him, he better he better hit on round two because then you are opening yourself up to even this show having who would be a pro polls show we would mm-hmm. be sitting there going whoa 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 what are you doing um so it it's going to be, it's fascinating in a month's time the, the, the christmas day is isn't christmas day in the Irish bear show it's draft night day yeah. 1 2 3 and 4 Fucking love it. whatever days it is 3 days great Fucking love it it's great but like the thing is i'm good if you're moving back like three or four spots and you're getting an extra like realistically the only way i see this happening is a quarterback falls to nine and a team becomes desperate to move up kind of like how the bears did when they had to move up and get justin can i give it can i give a scenario that i would just find hilarious go on jets are at 13 ah fucking love it wouldn't it jets go to nine take richardson Fuck it, whoever, right? And then they give us 42. So we end up at 13. That'll be funnier. 
you know it'd be funnier and this is what i would laugh my ass off on draft nine just because they are a 13 so i don't care imagine they got like let's just say by some crazy way like i know a lot of people are like talking up richardson it seems like a lot of people like him let's say for some reason the Colts go will um will levis and richardson starts to fall and he falls to nine and the jets are like We'll give you a first round pick when they've not oh, when they've not oh, been doing anything for oh. the Packers. I would love it just because I'd be able to laugh and oh my god, it would be it would just be so funny. And then you're also still ahead of Green Bay and you could still pick whoever. But I'm at the point of where I'm up, I get it, and I do think that there's a chance that they move down. I don't see any scenario where they move into the twenties. Or they're moving into that. I think they're moving down. They're moving down at max to like 12 or 13 because they know they want to get a particular guy or they'll be looking at a few guys in specific positions. Um, so it is important. Also, Joe Douglas has a lot of connections to the Chicago Bears organization. He was here with Ryan Pace, I believe. So there, there is going to be a, there is a lot of kind of linkages there, but it's going to be interesting to see what what they could target. I get it. I think I don't think anyone would be talking about this if the Bears still had their 32nd pick. I don't think people would care and they wouldn't want them to move down. I think it's just because of the big contrast between number 9 and number 53. That's the biggest problem. But then you also have to think of, well, the Bears then have 53, was it? 61 and 63. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, even though there's that big gap, well, then they have three picks within 10 picks. So, like, that's what you need to kind of look at there. And if there's somebody that they really want to get, they can move up. Like, they can't, like, that's one way of it working for them. And they can give up an extra third or fourth round pick. And there's what, look, what we learned last year from Ryan Poles is he moves around, he likes to trade. And typically, the trades are pretty smart in nature in terms of what he's made. He hasn't really given up loads in terms of when he's doing it. Um, I like what we're seeing from him as a, as a GM in terms of he has a plan, he sticks to it, even though there's a lot of people that want to rail on him. I always said, you wait until the main acquisition period is over and then you analyze the way he's brought them in. I'm not going to be that person that comes in here and says it's great no matter who he brings in. Last year, I I said it to people at the very beginning. They're not going to be going crazy in free agency because they don't have the money to do it. And to expect that is kind of mind-blowing to me. But this year, I did say you have to – You he's now open for criticism for whatever happens. So if we come out of the draft and you're like – we still don't ha- know who our right tackle is. Or we come out of the draft and we're like, still don't know what's happening on the interior of the D-line. I don't know where the pass rush is coming for. Well, then I think it's fair enough to be like, well, where, where how is the team going to be adequate at these positions? And then I think the criticism will be fair on, on Ryan Pulse. I don't understand the people right now saying all this stuff. And I said this on Twitter and I said this yesterday that I don't understand the rationale behind people saying we should have overpaid for a right tackle because now we're forced to get that to get a right tackle in the draft. 
And I'm like, why would you want to overpay a middling right tackle versus actually drafting someone that could be an all pro right tackle? I don't understand it because surely going into an off season, they make up a plan and being like, okay, what are the strengths of the draft? Roughly where we're going to be, what are some of the strong positions? And if they're like, there's some really good tackles that we like. And then they go in free agency, like we like one that can play right tackle with us at this price. At that point, it makes sense. But it it got too heavy. And then if they end up picking a right tackle, there'll be people saying, oh, he forced the pick because he knew that he needed to do it. He should have just signed one. And it doesn't, it doesn't compute for me because I would look going into any of these seasons and being like, it's all about getting the best possible players. If they think the best, if they think the best possible player at left tackle or right tackle that they could have gotten was through the draft, well then good stuff free agency. I don't care. Then I want the best players to come in. If they think we don't really like the linebackers based on where we're probably going to be drafting. So we're going to spend more in free agency on that. Cool. We've been talking about this for the last three or four months. The edge class is really good in the in this draft. So if they go out and get an edge player that they just think is better than some of these guys that are out there in free agency, cool. I'm happy with that as well. But where I will be pissed off is if we come to the end of the draft, I'm like, I still don't know what they're doing at edge. I still don't know what we're going to do on the offensive line. If we come away from the draft, I'll be like, I have no idea what Paul's plan is for this season. And that's where I think criticism of a front office is fair. Yeah, I, think, I don't know what your opinion is, but hundred percent. Hundred percent. I think I think I, I put it out yesterday, six months before a game, lads. Like there was some amount of crap yesterday on Twitter. And it was lads it's who the same, were like people. Who were, who were like enjoying the fact that they were like, and one lad put up a post of him with a hornet's nest, and you're like, what are you doing? Why why do you find that entertaining? Why are you being? Why are you like? I don't mind normal conversation about I like this guy. Why didn't we go with him? That's fine. Opinions are opinion. That's what football's about. But to to rail on guys on purpose to 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 slag off guys about their positivity, etc. What are you doing? Like we're fans, for God's sake! Like no one that I know of is getting paid to do these things, you know. So you're allowed to be positive about where you're going to go. Yeah, I'm with you. If we don't know after draft night or into week one that we don't know who our who our offensive line is really, we don't know who our tree tech is, or we don't know who our where our edges come where edges is coming from. Oh, but we have a superstar running back and a superstar this or a superstar that in other positions, I'm going to be asking questions because the thing that stuck with me is that's all Paul's kept on saying is that he's going to build it, build the, the O-line and all this kind of stuff. I've said it for the whole time he's been here. I love the fact that he's put so much pressure on himself and his own evaluation of his team on on players, but it's it's time now. Now is the next month is that time. And I think it'll be really interesting how, how he goes about it. Um, and I hope the draft falls the way he wants it to fall, and I hope it goes the way he wants it to go. Because uh, if it, if it does, then I, I think we'll get better as a team. Uh, and and then it comes down to the coaches, and I think that's another part that I'll be interested to see the development of them, because some of the decisions of our first first year head coach, first year defensive coordinator, first year offense coordinator were questionable last year. So mm-hmm. hopefully that has improved, um, because it needs to. And and that's something I'm I'm looking forward to seeing going forward. Um, but look, 
if you can't be enthused about the Bears now, if you can't be enthused and, and optimistic about what's coming ahead in the draft and the fact we got DJ Moore and, and all these guys that, that are there just into year three, what are you doing? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm dead seriously. Like, why are you bothering? What, go go watch something else and go do something else that's that's that makes gives you fun because life is meant to be fun. Exactly, and that's what that's what I don't get. Like we're coming a month away into where it's realistically one of the fun parts of the year, where it's the draft, where teams' fortunes can change on a night, and that's where I think I don't understand being negative for just being negative sake because we rail on the team enough during the season when they suck. Like I would rather be. I don't even think it's being positive. I think it's being optimistic yeah. on what you can what you can see. Now, like I said, if it comes to the point of <clears throat> if it comes to the point of we finish up on the draft and then you're like there's still massive question marks on a particular position. I think then if people want to be like I have no idea what Pulse is doing, Pulse is doing like this is this could be a bit of a nightmare for this season have at it i i completely understand it there but if he comes away like let's just say in the draft they come away with let's say paris johnson at nine or if they move back and get one of the tackles if they get an edge with their next pick and then they get like a three tech with their other one and maybe they draft an interior guy like in the middle rounds like at that point in time, you're like, okay, well, they've evaluated these guys and they would prefer doing that than getting some of these others. And honestly, they're still in a position that after the draft, when the prices come down for some of the guys that are still out there, they're going to be one of the teams that can get involved in some of those to improve the team because they have a lot of space. They are going to spend because they have to, right? Like, that's that's a given. So I think people just need to, like, relax and realize – the team isn't thinking of free agent players right now. They are fully into their draft process because of how important that weekend is. So that's that's the thing that they're going to be focused on. Once that's done, and once they sign their UDFAs and stuff, that's when you start to see some of the veterans get signed again. But really, from now until the draft, we've heard people say they're not even going to be focusing on guys that are available in free agents. And realistically the majority of teams won't either because anybody that's still out there now, like those guys are literally going to most likely sign on a one-year deal and try and go to a team that they know that they can make some money on for next year. That's the way that's going to go. And look, I would like people to at least be objective when it comes to these conversations over the last couple of months. I've, I've said it quite clearly. I'm like, I will make my decisions on it based on when the acquisition period is basically over, which essentially is when the draft is over. Because right now you can say the team has improved, but there's still clear areas of weakness that needs to get better. Like pass rush has to get better. Offensive line has to get better. If they're able to address that in the draft, I would then say Poles will have done a good job in the offseason and has done well with his plan and his resources to get this team better. It's not going to be a perfect fix because it does take time when you have a roster that is completely devoid of talent. We have the cap space for a reason because we don't because we don't have the players that's worth 
the amount of money that other teams have been able to give contract extensions to. So, look, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. But over the coming weeks, there's going to be a lot of interesting shows that we have coming up on the channel. I know this week we started doing some of our shorter videos and some of our um, on some of the draft profile players. I actually forgot to tweet one out earlier today. I forgot that I put it up on the channel. Um, <laughs> I, I did, I did the because I released your uh, which one did I release today that you did? Um, it wasn't Derek Cole? Who was that? Was yesterday? Um, my, or sorry, Michael Wilson, the wide receiver. I tweeted that out earlier, and then I I posted the Roshan Johnson one for six o'clock and forgot to tweet out about it. So there is a video about Roshan Johnson that's on the channel. If you want to check that out, Aunt did, me and Aunt have done, have done them so far, but the other lads will be kind of contributing over the next coming days as well. And um, so Aunt did, you've done Derek Hall, Keanu Benton, Ty J Spears. Uh, I know you have a Bergeron coming up. I think tomorrow that'll get released. We, I've done Roshan Johnson. I did one on Jalen Carter. And then there's one from before on Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, there's going to be a lot more coming over the next couple of days as well. Like Realistically, you'll probably see a couple of videos every day um, on some of these guys coming up. Just so you guys get some of those quick hit videos on what we think on some of these guys. Because realistically, these podcasts that we do will have focused topics and have guests on. And we won't get a chance to talk about all of these guys really until draft day. So what we've decided to do is do some of these shorter videos and all they're going to be is us giving a, a bit of a background onto those, how we think they fit with the bears or if they don't fit with the bears, which I know one or two of your videos this week has kind of included that where Very you cool. like where you've liked the player, but it won't fit with what the bears want to do. But it is a lot of, it is interesting to be able to dig into and, there's a couple of guys that I'll be working on this week that I really, really like as prospects, but I don't see the Bears picking. And that's the same thing I did with um, Jalen Carter just yesterday. Well, I, I like him. I don't think he's going to be the selection. But again, we'll talk about more about him tomorrow. Can I say? Can I say my my uh, Derek Hall? Because I he will he Derek Hall is the perfect what I call PFF pick right because he always falls around 53 to the bears and he's the he's the he's the number one edge left and you pick him because he's an edge so i did research on him he is a stud he is a an absolute wrecking ball of a human being he just doesn't fit into our system he's never he's never got his hand in the dirt he's always he's almost like a linebacker who plays in in that position at an edge and it's it's i just I was so disappointed because I, I seeing some of the stuff on tape, and you're like, yes, this guy can do it all. And then suddenly you're like, oh, okay. Oh, no, please say you can do this as well. And he's not there. Some of the other videos was great fun. Tajay Spears is, has a story, a background story that's really cool. As was Michael Wilson, by the way, whose who's auntie was the first ever woman to be inducted into the Wellington Soccer Hall of Fame, which is kind of weirdly cool. So oh. uh, so it was pretty, that's, that's pretty weird it was on the stanford website it's pretty class he also did one amazing rep against gonzalez uh in a game where they somehow the stanford quarterback didn't throw him the ball but he absolutely did gonzalez at the at, at the at the line of scrimmage and was more it was wide open and for some reason the quarterback looked at him and threw somewhere else you're like okay that's not great um 
issues with both of them last two guys is injuries. They've just had massive injuries. So yeah, look, I actually find it really interesting to do. Um and I think that's that's it's great that everyone can get involved and do as many as we can. Yeah, especially like guys, if you watch some of the videos that kind of come out and there's a prospect you want us to look into, whether it be at the start, middle, or end of the draft cycle, make sure that you put them in. Send us a message, even if it's if you follow us over on Twitter, send us a message because look, we're talking to each other all the time, planning which ones to do. And there's so many different kind of guys that we can kind of go through here. And now we have something like 20 something planned for the next couple of days. So make sure. Oh, there you go. That's it. What you, there we have a big list from Ant. Where's, where's my list? That's there. There's, if anyone can see that, there's another terrible. My writing's terrible. Someone mentioned him earlier on. Isaiah McGuire, the edge, the edge rusher, another edge rusher. I'm really intrigued in looking into him as well. He's he seems he's he's a talent as well. Yeah, there's a lot of edge rushers that I really like. Like anytime I do, anytime I end up doing a, a mock draft, I'm always like end up picking like three edge rushers. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> it's 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 so funny. Like I did one before uh before coming on the show to see what would happen if the Bears did end up picking um Skaronsky and you you've no idea the amount of edge rushers that I ended up picking in the mock draft it was ridiculous like I, I'm gonna I, I, st- I think I still have it open on one of the other pages it was very very funny it was where do we come here we had it was, Skaronsky, it was Skaronsky first right then it was Tuli Tuupulatu from uh, USC Andre Carter, Carl Brooks, Yasser <laughs> Abdullah, Yaya Diaz. Like, literally, it's like edge, 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 edge. But it's, it's, it's so funny. It, it seems like it's the same ones all the time. Uh, yes, this is, we will be doing one uh, Fosky on from Notre Dame. For anybody that doesn't know as well, we do have our website over at the IrishBearsNetwork.com. And there is a lot of other, um, scouting reports over there and Foskey was done on Sunday I believe so if you want to check that out you can check that out at the irishbearsnetwork.com I think uh, the top five or six tackles have been done some of the top edge rushers have been done there's going to be a load more that are going to be done as well we will be talking about a bunch of these guys over the next couple of weeks but also we're planning on getting guests on that are going to be doing it um, and Jimmy, no, we don't have a Patreon. We like to provide our content for all fans for free. We will, we will never ask people to have to pay. If people want to provide, if they like, want to give, uh, people no, want to give us no, money. No, give us money. no, if people want to put in like super chats, which they've done before, we appreciate it, but we'll yeah. never ask for it. Like we do yeah. this because we are fans. We do this because we enjoy talking with some of you guys so that's never gonna happen there'll be different things that are out there that we'll provide for for people that like to watch the show like we said we we do have kind of different merchandise i know ants that you've shown the cup before we'll be updating a bunch of those yeah the mug as well so you can check that out i think that's all linked to our to our youtube but we'll be doing some updates on that over the coming weeks as well it just very time consuming so look <laughs> one one thing one thing before we go as well one, I think it was R and R said a second ago, and um, where he was saying that uh, 
right tackle is the kind of like a shallow, shallow group going down. Disagree with him. There's some decent right tackles as you go down. To, but I get his point versus edge, which is 100%. I think they go tackle in if we are at number nine. Because the, the, there is a drop-off. People might say there's not, but there is a drop-off from one end to the other. Um, and there isn't that as big a drop-off in the edge, in my opinion. So, all, yeah, I'm gonna, right. all I'm going to say is, right, when we had Eric Galco on last week, who is really, really knowledgeable, he works closely with these prospects and with these teams. And even he mentioned there's a drop-off after 12. And then when we heard... Polls say after the quarterbacks, he had seven players within his within his range. You only have to do the math. That's what eleven players. So yeah. it drops off after twelve. So that's what we're saying, and that's why I think it makes sense to draft someone at nine. And then if you really wanted someone at the top of the second, that you trade up. I think that's probably going to be the best way forward. But look, we will be live tomorrow at four p.m. Central Time. I think it's. Me and Noel, Seth, I don't know if Tony's on. I don't think he's on. But each one of us will be making a case for a guy to be the pick at nine. And, and by the way, and you've got to be here because everyone everyone knows who Seth's going to pick. And it's going to be fireworks because there's going to be... There, 100%. There's going, there's going to be like... There's going to be like <laughs> dinosaur comments. Do you have, yeah. do you know what you have you have a video with dinosaur with like Barney or something written on oh, you can put in? I need to do that. I need to do something of just with like T Rex just going with it. Just, or, or or you know, like a little kid when they get like you put your hand on their head and they're trying to reach for you. That's something like that. But yeah, look, we are not we know Seth is gonna go for Skaronski and uh, Noel stole my guy. So as we like to say on the show, fuck you, Noel. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, look, I have come up with my next with my option two anyway. So it is it is gonna be fun. Um it's gonna be chaotic. And if we get through those quick enough, we will talk a little bit more of maybe some of the guys further down the list that we've looked at in some of the videos that are coming up as well. So make sure you stick with us. If you guys have questions on some of your favorite draft prospects as well, we will go through those tomorrow as well. So make sure you stick with us. If you are not subscribed, please do subscribe because it's the only way you're going to get the reminders for some of these shows. So make sure that you do that. Make sure you like the video. And until next time, all we can say is bear down. Bear down.